Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode three of I'm Really Into That Stuff. This is a podcast dedicated to the conversation about spirituality, the esoteric, astrology, and uncovering the question, what does it really mean to be human in 2021? I'm your host, Marina Pratt. And I'm Jana Stern. Thank you so much for joining us once again on this conversation. Today, we are going to be diving into something that gets a little bit of a uh, woo-woo rap to it uh, in its title, which is something that we call the dark night of the soul. Um, but if you're paying attention, it's really just depression. Yeah. <laughs> dark night of the soul really is a spiritual term, but depression is, I guess, the more common term to put it, the more relatable way, I, think it's just I guess. The realistic, yeah, yeah, it's like the realistic twist on what a dark night is. So maybe, maybe we should sort of explain what the hell a dark night of the soul is. I actually have a really amazing definition of the dark night of the soul. Get and... it, girl. Of course you do. <laughs> so <laughs> she did um, her research and I just, just was like, I'll, ch- I'll channel and you're like, I'll research. I'll Google. Yeah. That's again, Virgo. My, yeah, Virgo, moon and Virgo, what, everything in Virgo. So the dark night of the soul is a period of utter spiritual desolation, disconnection, and emptiness in which one feels totally separated from the divine. Now that mm. is probably the most beautiful way to put it and the most accurate because that's essentially yeah. what depression is as well. It's feeling a disconnection. Yeah. Yeah. Depression is like a... depression is exactly that. I was going to say disassociation from your own self. You feel lost. You feel isolated. You feel alone. Depression, you know, when we speak of depression, it often comes back to, you know, I'm in a room full of people and I feel by myself. That's what depression feels like, you know, and that's really what the dark night of a soul is. And when we have them, they feel like depression. So I think what we're trying to say is that depression actually leads to a lot of spiritual breakthroughs and ascending to newer levels of yourself because Jana and I have definitely struggled with our own variations of depression in the past. (laughs) And we say that with a smile now. I mean, I just had a major dark night session last week and Jana knows it, you know, we, we go through it regularly. And I think that's also something that needs to be normalized as well as how often it happens. But depression is something that happens when we start to feel this massive disconnect from our soul's calling. And this dark night of the soul is exactly that. It, it basically is going into the depths of your shadow and trying to unravel what is your truest calling? Because I think people who fall into depression, they start to question, what am I doing? Where do I stand? What's my purpose? Who are my true friends? Let's give like a little bit of a disclaimer here because I don't want people to get confused. Um, Depression is a very, very real epidemic in our society. Yes. There are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who suffer from depression um, it is a clinical thing and it, you know, many people receive depression or feel depression in, in, in an infinite number of different ways. And it's a real issue in our society and in the world. Um, but what I know, having come from a very, very, very deep, dark 
place in my life with suicide attempts and, you know, all of the eating disorders and also having a father who, who has suffered from a lot of mental health. I really understand that a lot of what happens in a depression is it starts with like either a, a catalyst, either a, a, a hot button that happens. So a breakup, uh, you know, you lose a job, you, you know, a, you, a birthday comes around that can be a big spark, you know, or a year ends and you think, what the hell did I do? What am I doing with myself? You know, what's going on? What's next? Yeah. And you, the doubt creeps in. And then it just starts building on itself, building, 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 until all of a sudden you are buried under that build. And the bury feeling, the suffocated feeling is where depression comes in. And what I know about spirituality is when you're making conscious choices in your life, you're opening up the space for that weight to lift because you're stepping into gratitude. So while depression is very, 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 very real yes. and intense and all encompassing and suffocating, there are ways out of it. And when you do come out of a dark night of the soul, there is always a rebirth. So that death feeling comes as a rebirth with like new fresh eyes of like, okay, I've made it through that, that, intense time into a time where I'm like, okay, what's going on? So you just had like a pretty dark couple weeks. Um, yeah. Do you want to get into it a little bit? Like you don't have to get too personal, but I mean, go for it. Sure. Yeah. I, I think it mostly happens for me when I am falling out of alignment of mm. my purpose mm -hmm. and it comes in waves. Sometimes I lose myself and I think it happens so often with so many people that we might feel like we're totally in alignment, you know, for a period of time and we're doing all the right things. We're exercising, we're eating well, we're doing things that are in alignment with our, our career and our work and just our lifestyle in general. But then there comes a time where you might start compromising yourself to fit in boxes. That's going to make other people feel comfortable. And I think that started happening for me where I started realizing that I was, really compromising the things I really wanted, things I wanted to say, the things I really wanted to do. And I felt like I was always making myself smaller to fit in other people's boxes where I suddenly felt like I was suffocating over the last couple of weeks because the holidays were around and I felt like there were certain people I was spending time with that um, I was just trying to fit in with just for the sake of not causing any drama of some kind and or letting someone down or, or letting or someone down. Like I wanted to know, mm -hmm. like I really wanted to make sure everyone was feeling comfortable and safe and happy. And especially around the holidays where it can be such a sensitive time. And I found myself always trying to be the strong one and the positive one and the one to always keep people together and in community because I didn't want anybody else to fall. But then I started to crumble trying to maybe just be the light for others instead of for yourself. Yeah. And that's a common thing for me. I'm always trying, well, I shouldn't say always, but I catch myself in moments where I start to just try and be the light for everybody else, but myself. And so then it, it does get to a breaking point for me. And this happened last week actually, where I just felt like I was suffocating and I was really suffering. And the thing with these depression, I don't know if I really want to say episodes, but just waves of them 
Yeah. Like I was going to say waves of depression. Yeah. Waves of depression. And it feels so different for everybody because I think something that I've also struggled with is feeling like my depression isn't valid because I have so many other good things going on in my life. Why could I feel depressed or like in this suffocating energy when everything seems to be going so well? But especially, you know, that, that, that in 2021, I mean, talk about being a human in 2021 as two white women, there's a lot of privilege that, that we both hold. And so when those depressive thoughts come up, when those like, I'm not good enough thoughts come up and you start to beat yourself up, it's really hard to not immediately interject that next thought to be do I even deserve to, to feel yeah. any of this? Because there are people who have it so much worse than me, are suffering so much more than me. I'm so overprivileged, you know? Yeah. yeah. yeah and it's a very real thing. And I, that's something that I've been having to almost affirm with myself is that no matter what I'm feeling, if it's a negative thought, especially, I have to remind myself that it is valid no matter what, because we all have our own variations of it. And this is also just a message. This is also just a message to anyone else who's listening, who may feel the exact same way, because I think more people feel it than we realize. I think we're all probably feeling, oh, well, why should I be depressed if I'm living in a good home, if I have a good home, if I have food on the table, you know, because there's these things that we see on social media too. It's like, if you have food on the table, if you have a roof over your head, um, if you have a job or whatever, uh, you should be grateful and you shouldn't be feeling sad or, or anything because there's other people who have a way worse. But that's not really the point. The point is like we still have our own inner shadows and demons that we work through and work with. And they come up sometimes and feel like they're eating us from the inside out. And it's very real. That is light work. Because here's the thing, right? This is why I talk about being a self-love warrior all the time. Mm. Because ultimately what's happening in your own reality is all that you know. And so, you know, when, when, when those sort of overprivileged people who are like, it's not my fault I was born into this life, like that is true. And you can make choices to be a better human, um, but it is true. So what you're experiencing is your truth and you have to be able to honor your own truth and acknowledge what you're feeling and say, okay, I really am feeling all of this self-doubt, all of this insecurity. I have sold my soul out for making somebody else happy to ensure somebody else feels lighter. Somebody else feels more comfortable around me Mm -hmm. instead of making sure that I feel comfortable around me. And so negotiating to your boundaries instead of their boundaries becomes so important as you learn to really love yourself. Like that's the thing is like, what actually feels good to me? What actually do I need to be able to do those things to not dip into a place where I'm selling myself out? And that is an act of self-love. And I, what I love about what you do, Jana, as well as you advocate radical self-love. And I feel like this is something that you do master over time. And it's, not just going to be as we've seen before um, on social media, like binging on junk food and TV and, and all these things that are essentially actually bad for you. But if you need those days, have them like that is self-care as well. They're self-care. They are necessary, but self-care as well is also that self-awareness. Like you just said, to really pick yourself up and recognize where you're at and see, okay, 
I'm feeling low today. And then maybe ask yourself, what is it that you need to make you feel better? And if it is like a binge day on Netflix, go for it. But you have to allow yourself yes. to do it. And that's I mean, the key. Allowing yourself is, it's the key to meditation and it's mm -hmm. the key to life. Mm -hmm. Because when you are allowing, when you are just allowing and you're like, that is a thought that is really unkind to me, or that is a judgment of somebody else that makes me feel actually kind of yucky about the fact that I have that judgment. Yeah. Or, you know, I just did something. I just, I don't know, smoked a joint when I shouldn't have, or ate the candy or whatever the thing is. Mm -hmm. And I really should have done X, Y, and Z. As soon as you put the word should in, you've negated yourself. You've, you've put mm -hmm. yourself on a level that just takes you down. And self-love, loving yourself is understanding that all of that is part of the human experience. There is no reality in which you like only eat raw vegan all the time and do yoga every morning and have this like totally high vibe life where all you're doing is just being in your spiritual practice and meditating all day and just feeling good and having beautiful relationships and incredible <laughs> conversations. Like sometimes life fucking sucks. Like yeah. there are real times where, where you're just like, what is my life? Who are these people around me? What's going on? Why am I making these decisions? Am I even like doing life right? Do I love what I do? If I love what I do, am I doing enough of it? Like you, self-doubt comes up. Yeah. It's so real. And so you have to allow that. And that's the same thing in meditation, right? When the thoughts are coming up in a meditation, rather than being like, oh my God, I'm supposed to clear my mind, or that's a thought that I shouldn't be thinking, or oh my God, just judging the thought on the thought on the thought on the thought, like, just allow the thoughts, allow to happiness. It's that monkey brain, isn't it? And I think if we let that monkey brain go on overdrive, that's actually what leads to these this depression and kind of going back to this dark night of the soul mm -hmm. energy, you know, it's something that I feel like when we become more self-aware, when we start practicing the self-love, when we start taking action steps towards feeling better in whatever way that looks like, mm -hmm. then I think that's actually coming out of that darkness. It's a rebirth stage enlightening yourself. You are lightening yourself after this darkness. Mm -hmm. That's why we speak about it that way, right? I do want to talk a little bit as well about the biological aspect of dark night of the soul and depression, because I feel like mm -hmm. what a lot of people also don't realize is that mental health does also have a lot to do with the chemical balance and imbalances in your body. And I do want to bring more awareness to that because as I've become more aware of my chemical imbalances and how that's affected me and my mental health. And I've now taken action steps towards improving that. I've seen drastic change in my moods. Mm -hmm. And my darkest point last week really showed me that I was really out of balance with my hormones. And especially for women, we have to pay attention to when our cycle is starting and where we're at in our cycle, because that also affects the kind of foods we should be eating and, and watching, you know, our sugar, our alcohol, and really paying attention to our, our blood sugar levels too. Because if our blood sugar is going up and down like a roller coaster, if we're injecting caffeine into our system all the time and not really paying attention to feeling grounded and zen and sane, then it's just going to throw us off our rocker. Yeah. And so that's something that I just wanted to bring a bit of attention to because it's something that, again, I, I just don't feel enough people actually realize or acknowledge is another factor 
to this stuff. Yeah. I mean, as within, so without, right? Like I've been saying it so much. We are what we consume, especially in 2021. If you are not consuming, and that doesn't mean don't ever eat things that aren't good for you. Mm -hmm. Um, but be mindful about what's going on in your body. What are you fueling yourself with? What are you rejuvenating yourself with? And then, you know, when we get into the sort of esoteric of it all, the chakra system, you know, depression lives in two places. It lives in our solar plexus, Mm -hmm. right? Well, it lives in, in three, in our solar, in our sacral, and in our third eye, right? So, and so, sorry, um, why don't you tell everybody where exactly the sacral sure. chakra is and the yes. um, solar plexus and the solar plexus. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. So uh, your seven major chakras, we'll just go up the list because why not? <laughs> we're, we're in the beginning of this pod, so we can mm-hmm. do that and we'll do it probably many times over. So your chakra system, uh, the seven major ones line up along your spine. They start at the base of your spine, which we call your root chakra. Um, and be that's because when you're seated on the ground in lotus position, your root is touching the earth. Um, your sacral chakra lives just below your navel, about an inch below your, your navel. Your also solar seen as your intuition. That's right. Your cre- that's your creative energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, your solar plexus is right where your ribs meet, just in the center there, and that is your personal power. Then we're moving up to your heart chakra, which actually lives in the middle of your chest, not over your heart. And then your throat chakra sitting at the base of your throat, uh, your third eye, just above your eyebrows there in the middle, and then your crown right at the top of your head. So when we're talking about depression, we're talking about a lack of creative energy. So Mm -hmm. your sacral, a lack of empowerment, self-empowerment, your solar, and then a blockage in your intuitive information that is receiving and and being transmitted in, in, in your reality. And so if you're not being conscientious about those things in your day-to-day life and how you are creating, if I always say, if you're not creating in the physical, you're going to create a whole lot of stories in your head. So cook, dance, paint, draw, make love, do what you got to do to create so that the Thoughts don't just keep spiraling, you know, write something for Christ's sake, like just get it out of you and assert your personal power. Cause a lot of times depression comes from exactly as you were saying, try to people please. And then again, follow your intuition. What the hell is your, is your soul guiding you to what, what does your inner knowing say? This is the truth. And so when we link the inner knowing to your solar, where your gut instinct is, that's where gut health comes in, right? And like, that's your speciality, right? Oh, I love a good gut health talk. Trust me. <laughs> it's so fascinating to me. Yeah. I what had, do you recommend for, for, for gut health? Oh, uh, well, you know, it, I definitely feel like listening to your intuition is one of the best things you can do for your gut. Because when I really started just undoubtedly listening and acting on my intuitive notions, it really healed a lot with my stomach. But before that, I was ignoring all the signs and all the internal guidances and it just wreaked havoc on me. What does it feel like when you're trusting your intuition with food as opposed to going with, uh, you know, sometimes when you're like, 
especially for, for people who binge eat or who, who graze yeah. on, on different foods. What is the difference for you between that and then intuitive eating? Because some people might think that that's intuitive eating. My body, I think I want this. That's intuitive. So what, what's the difference for you? Well, it really is checking in with your body and actually silencing the mind and listening to the body. And the way that I've now been able to determine when it's just my brain wanting food or maybe like my mouth wanting something to chew on, like a certain texture or flavor, um, is, is when I have to mindfully ask myself, am I really hungry? Am I stressed about something? Um, when was the last time I ate and what did I eat? You know, I kind of have to think back and that might sound really annoying to people that think, Oh, I just want to figure it out on the spot. But no, sometimes you do have to practice like taking moments to be present, sit with yourself and ask yourself the questions. And the way that I've been able to discern between what is that feeling in, in the head and then in my stomach is actually asking, okay, what does the head want and what does the heart want? Mm-hmm. And that's how I've made a lot of powerful decisions in my life in general that rely on my intuition because my intuition is connected to my heart. My, my heart knows what it wants and my intuition is what's going to guide me there. Totally. And I, I will ask, okay, what does my head want? And my head will be more of my, my ego self, you know, we'll be like, yeah, well, I want these cookies. I want something sweet and crunchy and you know, it won't be so bad. It's just one it's balanced. It's whatever. But then the heart and my intuition may say, mm, yeah, but it's, it's not going to feel good later on, you know, something's going to go off balance or, you know, I think you'll feel better if you ate this kind of food. But there are times where I've now listened to myself and I'm like, you know what? I think I actually need some sugar. And so I'll have something with sugar and I feel so much better. It's like when I don't deny myself what I really truly want, then the, there's no binging. Sure. cravings. Yes. I'll have like one and that's it. And as you're speaking, I'm like, sorry to interrupt you. As you're speaking, I'm thinking, yeah, when I was when I was in treatment, we used to have this thing, a web. We'd have to literally write a weekly eating behavior mm. of all the things that we would eat. And then how did we feel around it? What was going on that made us trigger this or trigger that? And the first thing they teach us was there's no such thing as bad food. Because we condemn sugar, we condemn, you know, grains and wheat and all those things. And yes, they're not good for you Mm -hmm. in the plethora to which we eat them. But in moderation, our body needs sugar. Our body needs grains. Like we've survived on grains as a species millennia. We need it. So what I actually meant to say before is that with the biology of gut health, um, there's a, we have a microbiome in our stomach, you know, and with our microbiome, that is something that has good bacteria and bad bacteria in it. And sometimes if our stomach is filled with too much of the bad bacteria is when we start over craving like tons of sugar, the really bad foods, really salty, fatty foods, like the McDonald's, like the fast food stuff. And again, that stuff, isn't necessarily bad if we know how to have it in moderation, but if our body is so used to eating just that, we do have to go on a bit of a detox, a bit of a cleanse to rid ourselves of those cravings. Because when 
we just keep feeding it. We keep feeding our stomach this bad bacteria, which then leads to bloating, constipation, um, all kinds of things. But then also it is a secondary factor to depression as well, because all those foods are uh, quick gratification foods, right? Yeah. And they lead you away from making highly intuitive choices because you're so lethargic. Exactly. So what, and then that makes it more difficult to actually listen to your intuition because you're this, you're blocked, you know, you're blocked, not just with the oils and the fats and, you know, the, you know, the, whatever they put in those foods, the preservatives, you're also blocked energetically because you're not allowing yourself to maybe feel through something that you're suppressing. So gut health has energetic and biological aspects to it. Um, but I would definitely say if anyone is suffering with gut health at the moment, you know, check in with your, your gut health microbiome, like probiotics are really good to take. Um, I try and take them. I try and take them regularly. I'm really not good at it these days, but probiotics are really great. Really trying to listen to yourself in terms of what you need to eat. But then also if you are constantly craving the sugary, the fatty, the bad foods, the stuff that gives you that instant good feeling, then I definitely encourage people doing a detox. But the thing is like, I went raw vegan. I was vegan. I went raw vegan. I was this whole food plant-based for, oh my gosh, maybe two and a half years in total where I didn't drink any alcohol. Um, I was not eating any processed sugar. Like I was intense and it was an intense process and I don't encourage everyone to do it. But at the same time, it really helps me identify where my cravings lied. Um, when I started to introduce, I don't know, <laughs> more food back into my diet, cause I also wasn't eating a lot of food. It was mostly just fruits and vegetables. But when I started eating different types of foods, I should say, it really made me realize how much more in tune with myself I was because I started allowing myself to eat certain foods that I wasn't allowing myself before, if that makes sense. But it's, it healed my gut in a way too, because I was having gut problems all the time. And I thought, oh, if I just keep lessening the food, if I keep, I need to be more raw, I need to be drinking more greens juices. I need to be fasting more. I thought that these were all going to be the answers for my gut health issue, but it wasn't until I actually just started living more in my truth and started being more real with myself and getting my, picking myself up when I was down and kind of bringing this background full circle to this, this depression, this dark night of the soul, because that is also to say I was that raw vegan yoga every day, you know, on the beach in California, like trying to be this totally happy, holistic hippie, but I wasn't inside. Like I was really depressed. I was going through a lot of emotional, emotional turmoil. And that is to say that it, I was also doing a lot of spiritual bypassing where I wasn't. Yup. That that's like, <laughs> yup. That's, yeah. that's like, that's the thing that when you get into the, you know, the world of spirituality, it's so tempting to lure yourself into that world of like love and light. Um, yeah. but, and then you're just, yeah, you're bypassing, bypassing, bypassing. And you're, you know, and even though you're eating the right things and doing the right things on paper, there is this inner work that needs to happen. And that is what light work is all about. That mm -hmm. is what it's all about to become 
a full, whole and complete human within yourself that you feel full and complete within yourself because you can't get to enlightenment via granola. You just can't. No. So, and sometimes you know, those foods aren't actually good for you for your own yes, biological often. makeup. Yeah. Often, often. There are lots of people who really, truly need to eat meat. And there are lots of people who do really, really well on just fruit, you know? But we, and this is why, you know, if, if people are thinking about doing a cleanse, I think certainly, you know, seek, seek, you know, nutritionists, naturopaths, um, you know, have somebody help to guide you on that path. Because especially if you're ever somebody who has dealt with an eating disorder of any yeah. type, whether it's overeating, undereating, binging, purging, any of those things, it's so easy to get lured into this new world of acting like you're, you know, eating like an enlightened being and guilty. I'm so guilty. Yeah. And so, yeah, good, good. First of all, like way to own it. Good, Mm -hmm. good awareness, you know, and also that's, that's where the real growth happens is like, okay, I'm not going to just like eat real well and hope that that's the solution. I'm going to allow myself to feel my feelings. Yeah. What it comes down to, like, that was the thing that I learned in treatment number one. And, you know, we're going back 12 years already. So Mm -hmm. at that time, first of all, the conversation around mental health was completely different. Certainly nobody said, oh, Jenna, you must be going through a dark night of the soul. Like, it'll be okay. You're a light worker. Like that, none of that came out of anybody's mouth, except maybe mine, but even then still not. So all of these things were so passe, Mm -hmm. but really the thing that I was learning in in every single therapy that I was going to and in every conversation that I was having with my friends and with the people that were supporting me at that time was, well, okay, can you just not, can you not care what anybody else outside of yourself thinks? Can you just learn to just feel what you're feeling and care what you think about it? And it was really hard. It was really, really, really hard. And I learned bit by bit by bit how certain foods made me feel same you know, and then also how different interactions, different um, communications with people, different, sometimes I was like, today is not the day for me to get on the subway. I'm going to take a taxi or I'm going to get in an Uber now in 2021, um, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's just going to be how I, how I navigate myself from here because I know that I can't, I don't have the bandwidth for it, but knowing things like that make a huge difference on how you interact with the world around you and how you listen, the dark nights come when they're meant to come and they're going to come whether you want them to or not. Yeah. And everybody listening has probably been through 20 already and didn't even realize it until hopefully this moment where you realize, oh, that's what was going on. (laughs) I was just ascending to new levels of myself. And (laughs) well, that's it. I mean, I came out of treatment and I was a different person. And since then I've had many dark nights of the soul where I'm like in this sort of deep, dark hole where everything feels kind of impossible and isolating and lonely and separated. And somehow I come out on the other side and the light seems brighter. Everything seems clearer. I feel more intentional and I'm, I'm closer to who I know I've always been supposed to be. Mm. Um, and so yeah. 
I'm curious, like we, we sort of started earlier about you'd had this, this experience last week and that you've, you've come out the other side and, and you're feeling much better. I can see yeah. it in your face. And, in your <laughs> yeah. and yeah. so I'm curious, what's the biggest shift for you now? Like what feels so much brighter now that was so dark, you know, a week ago? That's a really good question. I feel like my confidence is back. I feel like I've recognized where I hold my light in the world and where I need to shine it. Where do you hold your light in the world, madam? (laughs) I mean, that's even, that's a very layered question because I think I have a, I have a lot to share on a lot of things and I have been trying to still fit myself in boxes that I no longer fit in. And I'm trying, I was trying to keep repeating this version of myself Mm. that just doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. And I had this thought actually today, I went on a walk just before we started recording this and I realized I'm almost 30. I am not a 21 year old girl anymore, nor do I want to be, you know, I'm very, amazed at who I am now and who I keep becoming. But sometimes I feel like I'm still repeating patterns as if I was this little girl or if I was in my early twenties, because I think there are still some things that maybe I haven't fully acknowledged or healed, but I feel like this last week and a bit, I've kind of gone through that and I'm now reemerging as this new woman Mm. and as this woman who is holding herself like a woman. I've always felt like a girl still. And I, you know, sometimes I get embarrassed saying that because I'm almost 30. I should feel more like a woman. I sometimes feel, I, I sometimes see 23 year old girls looking more womanly than I do or being more of a woman than I am. And I judge myself, but lately I'm thinking, no, like I am a gorgeous divine woman and I deserve a gorgeous divine life. And this is something that I've really been affirming with myself and realizing that I am worthy. I am deserving. And I have a lot of light to share with the world. And I want to keep sharing that in the many different ways that I feel called to do that. I really love being creative in many different aspects. And I think I'm just tired of waiting for someone or something to come in and like give me all the answers and show me the way where I have my beautiful internal guidance system in my solar plexus and in my gut that tells me exactly what I should be doing. But it's when I ignore it is when I suffer the most. And it feels like the more I ignore, the more I suffer. And it gets worse. The more that, that, that really, is, that really is the, the, the truth of it is that yeah. soon as you are denying something within yourself, that is absolutely your truth you're gonna start to feel that that self that betrayal of self you, oh, you feel it yeah so deep self-betrayal and is it, such a great word <laughs> because that's what right? it felt like and that's that's oh that word hits me so much and i i think a lot of people yeah. can relate to that because it's when you don't honor your truth and you, you know we all have those moments where it's like oh dang i should have listened to my intuition and then you start to yes. beat yourself up over it. That yes. is, that yes. feels like self-betrayal. 
Exactly. And you know, there are so many empaths in the world, so many um, light workers, spiritualists, whatever the hell you want to call them, you know, indigo children. There are so many of us on this earth that are here right now at this incredible time in humanity. Like we look at what's happening in the United States. We look at what's happening in our governments. You're in the UK. I'm here in Canada. Like we are looking around and being like, what kind of weird dystopian world are we living in? Right. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. right. And, and we're like, it's almost unbelievable what's happening. And in order for us to feel any kind of joy, we really need to understand our own intuitive self and our own empathic self, our own boundary of how, as an empath, you impact the world. So I asked the question, you know, how, mm. how does your light touch others? Because we really have this, this as empaths, as sensitive people, we have this way of, of giving and giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. And, and somehow it's been ingrained in us that if we give enough of ourselves, then we'll be worthy, then we'll be valued, then we'll be good enough. And the fact of the matter is that when you're doing that, you are in self-betrayal because your own self needs something from you. And this is, you know, we call this reparenting. When you speak to yourself like a little child and say, what do you need? You know, I can't tell you. My mom as a child called me Janny um, all the time. And so whenever I need to be really soft with myself, I will self-soothe by calling myself that. Not because, oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. but I just know that it lands for me in such a way that I, I, I'm always able to really soften into myself when I'm, I'm being loving to myself like, like my mom, you know, always was when I was very, very small. And so, you know, and God bless that privilege. Sure. Um, yeah, you know, I know how to, how to do that with myself. And that's a huge part of not betraying yourself because when you watch children, you know, they don't doubt anything. No. They're like, I got to go do this. And this is what it is. The floor is lava, facts, no arguments, no nothing. Or this train is absolutely taking us to space or whatever it is, like they just go. Their, their imaginations are their intuition and their intuition are their imagination. And they just kind of flow freely with, I'm hungry, I want this. I you know, can I yeah. have this toy? Like it's just beautiful the way they are. So when we need to really renegotiate with ourselves to fulfill ourselves as if we are small children is the ultimate in self-love because all we are are wounded children. Yeah. And I think our generations are the last of it, it seems. I mean, I have to say I'm quite jealous sometimes of some people of the younger generation because I feel like a lot of them are being brought up now with so much more of this information being more normalized. And like you were just see saying, even 12 years ago, the idea of mental health was still so taboo and people were just kind of saying whatever, like it isn't real and you're not this, like you're, you're not going through something that's going to be better in the long run. Like there wasn't any kind of it gets better movement back then. No. And this is now a time where it's being so much more embraced and accepted that we are human beings with a million different emotions that we have through our lifetimes. 
and we need to address them and access them and allow them to be. And I think that most children who are growing up with light worker parents of whatever capacity that looks like they're being raised with this frequency and this knowledge that it's okay to feel and they're not going to be taught to just suppress, you know, they're not going to be ignored by their parents as much. I find. Right. Right. Yeah. That they'll, they'll be nurtured to be highly sensitive people. Yes. You know, how, oh, you're feeling that? Let's talk about the emotion, not stop crying, we're in public or, you know, any of that. It's, it's really like, okay, how can I nurture this in this moment? Yeah. You? yeah. And we were all brought up with, yeah, being silenced, being suppressed, being questioned, yeah. maybe sit not up. being questioned, sit up. Yes. Sit yeah. straight, be quiet. I know I was always told- hey. like, my opinion doesn't matter. Uh, be yeah. quiet. What do I know? I'm so young. Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. been the narrative of my family my entire life, and sure. it's been it's been tricky to get out of. Definitely. Um, yeah. I, so, and hence reparenting yourself, right? Hence, hence giving to yourself the love and support that you needed then that you didn't receive, mm-hmm. so that you can affirm for yourself, yes, I am enough. And of course I deserve to be heard. And of course my opinions are valued. And just because some adult who I guess I share genetics with, or maybe I don't even, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, not to say that you don't share genetics with your parents, but maybe it's a, a you know, a family friend or somebody else yeah, who invalidated. Yeah, whatever the case may be. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just being able to say like, actually, that's not the truth. The truth is that I'm fantastic and am absolutely valued and absolutely have something important to contribute to the conversation. Yeah. It makes such a huge difference to just change the narrative in yourself that way. It, it does. It just changes life. Yeah. But how difficult is it though, when you're feeling these dark, deep emotions to tell yourself, oh, but you're so worth it and you are worthy of something and you can get through this. Like it's, I just want to say, I know that it's difficult to say that, but it does get, it really does get easier over time to nurture yourself in that way. But you do also have to allow yourself to be, be that child and be the parent. Yes, exactly. You can be both simultaneously. That's the beauty of being an adult is that, you know, you still have that childlike innocence on so many different, you know, levels. I mean, I can't tell you I've every single time I'm in nature, I have that childhood innocence of like, mm-hmm. wow, you yeah, know, that wonder. Yeah. yeah, exactly. When I'm learning something new, when I, you know, or falling in love or, or creating something, you know, there's, there are so many layers that do bring a childhood like wonder. So that childhood spot stays there, but we, we tend again to shame it and be like, that's juvenile, that's immature. Like actually it's kind of the most beautiful part of our species is that we have this ability to just go back into a memory and relive it in a, in a whole new way. And so when we bring in that sort of adult perspective into our childhood innocence, Mm -hmm. it really does let us get to a space of elevation, you know, of of enlightenment. That really leads to a great question we can ask ourselves when we're starting to feel really depressed is how can I play more? Where can I bring more play into my life? the best. I know that that's when I have realized that "Mm, I'm not having as much fun. How can I have more fun and allow myself to have fun? Cause I think it's also been ingrained in me 
since being society. a child. Like it's I society it's mostly. Totally. Yeah. That yeah. you, you're not allowed to have fun. You have to be working. You have to work hard. You have to hustle. You have to grind. You're a grown up. You're a grown up. Fun ended in grade three. You got homework <laughs> oh in God. grade four. Yeah. Grade four was homework and tests. And you were just like, all right, I guess fun is done. Right? Like recess for maybe an hour, I suppose, yeah. you know, and then recess once it, once there was no recess anymore, it was like, what, how yeah. do I achieve fun? And we haven't really talked about this uh, on this episode, but manifestation is so much quicker when you play. Oh, yes. The universe wants you to play. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the universe wants us to have that childhood innocence. The yeah. universe wants us to remember that magical experience to be able to live life where you're not expecting yourself to know everything and have all the answers and do all the quote unquote shoulds that are on your list of to do's, you know, mm-hmm. because sometimes you have all these things that you should do. And really what you want to do is just run to the playground with, with a friend and swing on the swings just to feel free for a minute. Yeah. You know, there is, it's necessary to play. And, and we, we've created a reality, a world where in the cities, especially we're not playing that much, yeah. you know? So, so it's important to bring play, especially if you're having like a really dark time and a depression, a dark night of the soul playfulness will bring you right out of that joy yes. the ability to just free flow into something else yeah a whole turnaround you know london is also known for its beautiful parks and its outdoors and the things you can do outside and what i've noticed is the people that i've met that are the most grounded and well aware of themselves and their lives and what truly you know happiness is about are the ones that play, maybe not so much in the way that we're kind of talking about with that childhood play. However, they get out, they go to the parks, they go for cycles, they go for bike rides, they get themselves out to explore, they do sports, they do all these things that they know is innately good for their soul. So it's like, we all know what's good for us. We all have that innate knowing. But it's up to us to really, you know, act on it. But the happiest people that I've met here, and there actually are, you know, Contrary to popular belief or what people think about England and London, there are a lot of really happy people here who love the city, who love this country, and who want to embrace everything that it has. And I love meeting those people. And there's always people out in the parks. There's always people doing something creative and fun and active. And those are the people that are just you know, they just have a good energy about them. And whether they have a job that they love or not, it's like they seem to be able to find this balance for themselves that works for them. And again, they may not, they're, they're not perfect, but they're finding ways that make them feel good. And I feel like if we can all do that for ourselves regularly, then that really does make us a well-rounded, better society. Absolutely. With better mental health. Uh, <laughs> right? Exactly. That's how to be a human in 2021, everybody. <laughs> so I think that's probably a great place to wrap things up for today. Mm-hmm. It's always such a blessing to get into these conversations with you, Marina, just to, to really open up the different realms of what's happening in our realities and how we can look at things. I'm so grateful that this is such a huge part of our, our existence. Uh, yeah, and, me and- too. 
come to 2021. It's so exciting, you know, to just be like, we're creating, we're doing, we're, we're doing the thing about exactly what we're saying. Yeah. Well, talk about creativity and play. This is exactly what it is too. doing a podcast, just having a chat and filming it and deciding to put it online. And I love it. It's, it's all part of the process. And I think having adult fun in various levels <laughs> is so much fun. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that this is part of it. You know, I, I love being a grown up because now I have access to this kind of technology without parent supervision or any kind of censorship. Like we can just go for it. Stay tuned next week for our OnlyFans account. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're fucking around, not for it, real. It's another, I'm really into that stuff. Exactly. That's wink, right. Wink, nudge, nudge. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you all so much for t- tuning in this week. It is such a blessing to be able to share this with you all. We look forward to sharing with you next week and uh, we love you. We love you so much. Thank you.